Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and today we're going to be talking about something very powerful, and that's synergy. I often describe it in the beginning of my radio show. Every week I explain the difference between what's yours and what's mine and what's ours. And that is very different. What a person brings into a relationship is important to what they will create. But when they combine with another person, what they create is, in fact, synergy. Now, the the actual definition of synergy is, quote, the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or individuals to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Okay, so basically what that means is when you combine with something else, you create something exponentially more powerful than what the two of you are when you're apart. Now, why did I even get into something like this? Because that's pretty deep. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty intense. And not everyone is ready to really think about those things. And that's why I've waited six months to use the actual vocabulary word that my show is about. Because when I started out as a coach about 15 years ago, the first client that I had really wanted a better life. And he realized that was because he needed a better job. Once he switched careers, he was much happier doing what his true calling in life was. And then I had some people who would say, you know what? I like my job. I just don't think I know how to manage my money. So I would teach them different skills based on their personality about how they could more effectively reach their financial goals. And then there were some people who said, I don't even know what I want in life. How about you tell me what would make me happy? And as a coach, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to tell people that they're mentally ill because I personally believe that most people in this day and age who go for counseling and therapy and advice, they're not mentally or emotionally ill. They're just misinformed or sometimes downright uninformed, uninformed. They need information. But what it always came back around to is something inside of my clients was reaching out for better quality relationships. They wanted more personal fulfillment in their life. And they knew that that would only come when the connections that they had with people were more healthy and more satisfying and more fulfilling. Well, a lot of the keywords that gurus use is mindfulness, right? We we all want to be mindful, proactive. But what it comes down to, and we're also going to be talking about in this show today, is symbiotic. Now, the definition of symbiosis is the interaction between two different organisms living in close physical association to the advantage of both. So symbiosis just means the complementary life that two people or two different organisms create for each other. Okay, the fact is people want to know how to be happy in their relationships. It comes down to the very basic question, what do you bring to your relationships with other people? That could be a relationship with someone that you're standing behind in the bank while you're waiting for the teller. It could be 
That really annoying neighbor who seems to like you and just wants to tell you everything about their life on your way to your front door. <laughs> it could be the cashier at your store that you really do like talking to while you're waiting for the, the cash to come back in the machine. Yeah, you make small talk. It could be the person that you live with, the person that you love more than anything. Here's the question of the day that you can ask yourself. I'm going to start doing this every week. The question of the day. And you can think about it for the entire rest of the week. This week, how do people feel when they're done socially, personally interacting with you? How do people feel when they're done interacting with you? Well, that's a very basic question, but it's not very simple. And I want to let all my listeners know that on my uh, radio show, I have a line, an open line that you can go ahead and call in if you have questions. Or sometimes if I'll pose a question and you want to know more about it, feel free to call in. The number is 888-627-6008. And on the station's website, bbsradio.com slash yours, mine, and ours, there's a shout box. If you're not really into you know, going on the air and expressing yourself and your voice. And well, you can go ahead and go onto the shout box and just type the message if there's a question or if you have a comment, you can go ahead and post that too. Periodically, I'll be checking back on the website. Okay, so let's start out with the description of symbiosis, which is just a fancy word for saying how you, you feel, how you make people feel when they're with you and how you feel when you're with them. Now, the dynamics of human interaction, the, the basic concept, the fact of life and nature is that people are always in motion. Nature, energy is always in motion. We are not inanimate objects. The fact that we have spirit and we have force and we have energy means that we're always in motion. Even when we're sitting still, what's going on inside of us is very active. And in nature, just in the, the universal principle of physics, everything maintains balance. And that's why every action has an equal and opposite reaction to make sure that no matter how out there something someone does is, nature will always bring it back down to, okay, let's get back to normal. <laughs> We're going to have to compensate in some way for this action that was just taken in the form of a reaction that's going to affect something else, is going to affect something else. And so that perpetual motion, that law of perpetual motion is going to continue throughout nature, not only affecting you, but affecting everyone else around you, including all of the other living objects and a few of the inert objects, right? Well, you know what? There's no such thing as inertia between humans. Think about when you have an interaction with someone, we have a spirit that gives us energy. Our energy is either positive or negative. There is no neutral. There is no default, deficiency, absence of energy feeling. Okay, so that means that if your energy is not positive, then by default, it is negative. There is no neutral. So let's think about what that means in 
daily life in relationships. We've got a lot of energy and we've got a lot of strength to do things. Our our positive or negative feeling behind that energy that's fueling us to do things is just going to determine how good or how bad we make people, things, the world, ourselves feel while we're doing those things. But thinking about the strength of human will and volition, mind over matter means that the physical world is just a detail. When we believe that something is true, well, reality is kind of moot because our human will, our volition to get things done is based very significantly on what we have in our mind and our heart as our desire giving us that energy to carry out the decisions that we've made. So go ahead and get, come back to that original point of your energy is either positive or negative when you have that energy inside of you along with the specific goal of what you want to accomplish you are going to be very successful and very high impact on the world around you which again includes the people so back in the context of relationships and synergy what you are creating with people when you interact with them is a huge thing now one of my favorite lines in a movie is reminding me of something that my father told me that when I was very, very young, he just said it in a different way. It was a very famous movie with a lot of really powerful lines from different characters in it. Never underestimate the power of denial. Okay, well, it was a, a kid who was a drug dealer talking about how his dad didn't want to believe that his son was in fact a drug dealer. <laughs> Self-preservation is not a physical experience for human. Denial is not about neglecting the, the physical detail of a, a physical threat in our immediate surroundings. We don't have any real threat to our physical existence, so there's nothing to have to protect ourselves from in an external way. It's the emotional and psychological pain that we are sensitive to and that denial has the, the purpose of serving is, you know what, you might not be able to handle this, so let's just pretend like it's not happening. My father frequently told me as I was growing up, once you start believing your own lies, it's all over for you. When you believe the lies of strangers, you're going to miss out on really good things in life because your world isn't real. Well, what when you start to believe the lies of friends and family, you know what? You're missing out on really bad. Well, you know what? You're missing out on really good opportunities. They're they're becoming bad ones because they're relationships. Once you start lying to yourself, you don't even have yourself left. When you believe your own lies, that's it. You may as well pack it up. Well, that's that's pretty powerful. How often do you lie to yourself? And how many of your own lies do you truly believe? What kind of energy does that create inside of you? What does that mean you bring to relationships with other people? How does the quality of your soul change and the positive or negative energy inside of you intensify? Are you capable of being fully honest with yourself? Do you want people to be honest with you? 
can you even handle the truth? It was a great line by a great actor in a great movie. It's the foundation for everything that you are and you do. It is the core of your synergy. Okay, so the influence then of social connection is the impact that people can have on each other and on nature and on the world is infinite. Feelings have more influence over our personal choices than anything else as a factor. Anyone who says, I don't care what you think, is delusional and they're lying to themselves. Do they genuinely believe that they don't care what you think? They don't care how you feel? I don't think so, because if they genuinely didn't care, they wouldn't feel the need to tell you that, would they? Maybe they don't really know. Maybe they're just trying to convince themselves that they don't care. People care very much about people. They always have and they always will because we are created that way or we evolved, however you think we got here. We are built in a way that is very, very affected by the people around us and other people are very affected by what we say and do and are around them. So let's start off with let's not lie to ourselves thinking that we don't care about other people and that we can just detach and it's not a big deal. As long as we don't have any feelings, we're not, we're not doing any damage. When you deny that you have feelings, you are immediately doing damage to yourself, in your spirit, for your soul, and that by extension then does harm to other people. The synergy that you create when you interact with other people is destructive. Okay, so now let's take a look at doing positive things for yourself in the form of doing them for others. Okay, now now take a step back here. Let's look at this again. Doing positive things for other people for the health and benefit of yourself. That may seem kind of like a contradiction, maybe a conundrum, but again, Every action has an equal and opposite reaction and everything that people feel around us affects them. Everything that we feel when we're around other people affects us. So big picture, thinking about being good for other people and being good for ourselves takes a lot of insight and wisdom. First of all, there's a principle that there's more joy in giving than there is in receiving. That's almost universally philosophically accepted by all religions, theologies, philosophies in the world. There's more joy in giving than there is in receiving. Do you agree with that? I want to give a really cool example. And for some reason, it continues to be a repeated issue in my life, a theme, a recurring theme in my life, cooking, okay? Everybody who knows me knows I can't cook to save my life. And I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> I even hate going shopping when I have to cook something. But I'm willing to do it certain ways in certain times for certain people. I will cook certain things. There are things that I know my husband loves to eat. Half of them, 
I think they're just absolutely gross. I think they're horrible. I would never eat them in a million years. They're Mexican. And they involve parts of animals that, in my mind, should never, should never be consumed. But you know what? In his opinion, yeah, those are the best tasting parts of the animals. We're talking internal organs, okay? Well, okay, so I won't eat those things. And I refuse to cook them. And he still loves me. But he has taught me how to do things with pork. I've, I've mastered a few things with beef. I know how to make vegetables turn into different objects. And if you give me five random ingredients, I can actually make some creative, I won't even call them meals, dishes. We'll call them dishes, okay? <laughs> now, when I know that I have the ingredients to make a really, really, really good meal for my husband, I hate buying the ingredients. I cannot justify spending that kind of money because I think they're way overly priced. I don't want to do the dishes when I'm done. And I think the fact that just the work involved in all of this, I don't want to do And I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a mess the entire time I'm cooking. When I'm done making the meal exactly the way my husband wants, knowing or, or hoping that when he takes that first bite, he will have so much happiness. Not only will the sensory pleasure of the stimulation of the smell and the taste and the texture and all that stuff, it's, it's going to be a great, great experience, personal experience for him. But knowing that I'm the one who did it for him, hating every minute of it because my love for him was exponentially more powerful <laughs> than all of the negative feelings I had while I was doing it. That means that our relationship is better. No, it's just a meal. No, no, actually it's our entire relationship. When I'm serving him a meal that I know he wants to eat, I can't do anything but watch him. I watch him eat it because I want to see how happy he is. And when he tells me that I've made his life better by doing this for him and he smiles at me and he tells me that I'm beautiful, that makes the quality of my life better. It increases my, my value, my personal self-esteem, my feeling about my relationship. That's a pretty big example. My son, when he actually doesn't do anything for anybody that he doesn't absolutely think is worth his time in it. Well, he's an ISTP. When his sister says, I want some steak and potatoes, he will drop everything he is doing. He will go out and buy the most expensive cut of meat. He will make the potatoes exactly the way he wants. And you know what? He even actually made butter. He went out and bought all of the ingredients to make butter in our kitchen by hand for her giving her that food when she walks in the door while she's watching her favorite show. All he cares about is that she liked it. How important is it to her? How important is it to him that it's important to her? Thinking about this synergy, right? This symbiotic relationship of, I want you to want what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. I just want you to want it. That makes it worth it the time and energy and effort. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break thinking about that concept. The next thing we're going to talk about when we come back is the power of your words. How much more powerful are your words than even your deeds? My name is Gabrielle Cardona and this is yours, mine, and ours.
Think you know yourself? Have you ever had your personality profiled? What's your MBTI? The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is a very popular personality profile system, and it's accepted around the world, used by many accredited and professional companies and institutions. But the problem, what if you're both of the options that you're being offered in the question? Or what if you've changed over the years? Or what if you're just not sure? Does it even really matter? Well, when you want to know the difference between a mental illness and just a strange behavior, then knowing your personality can be very helpful. It will help you to know if you do need a mental health professional or pharmaceutical intervention. When you take a personality profile test, you need to ask yourself not if you do that activity being described or asked, but the three things about yourself while you're doing it. Number one, is it naturally so easy for you to do it that it's automatic for you? Number two, is it so naturally enjoyable for you to do that you do it for seemingly no reason? And number three, are you so naturally good at it that you don't even need to practice in order to do it well? Those are the indications of your nature, your personality, not your nurture, that have made you good at doing those things. During these challenging times, while a lot of people are considering a career change, I'm offering an 80% discount on my MBTI package. That includes six things. Number one, the MBTI test with over 200 questions. Number two, your four-letter personality description. Number three, an explanation of your disposition. Number four, a detailed breakdown of your functional order. Number five, tips and suggestions on how to be more successful in life based on your true nature. And six, a one-hour coaching session to answer any and all of your personality questions. This package usually costs $500, but for the rest of the year, it's only $99 to my listeners. Take advantage of the opportunity to learn more about your true nature. Just go to www.infinitylifecoaching.com services and you'll see the sale going on now. The $99 price will go on through to the end of 2020. Discover your true nature today. Welcome back to yours, mine, and ours. I'm Gabrielle Cardona, and today we're talking about synergy. That's a very fancy word for talking about, you know what? What you create when you come together with other people. What happens when you interact with other people? Two different people coming together create a third totally different thing. What kind of quality do you bring to a human interaction of any kind? Well, we've been talking about the principle of giving, more joy in giving than in receiving. Now, when you're talking about your actions, that's very important to remember. Obviously, what you do is going to have an imp impression on people. It's going to have an impact on people. Now we're going to talk about the power of your words. What effect do your words have on people? Do you know? Do you really believe it? What you say that it affects people in a profound way? 
When I was little, I could only see my father every other weekend because that was the court order in exchange for the child support he paid. He basically bought his time, right, with me. But he always told me, just know that you can call me anytime you want and I'll always be here for you. So, of course, as a young girl, I had to test that out and see if it was true, right? Well, there were times when I was having a very hard time with life and I needed to hear words of affection from him. There were times when something great happened and I needed to share it with him. Then there were times when I just felt alone and I needed to know that he was emotionally there with me, even if it was only in spirit because he couldn't physically be there. And then there were times when I needed to dump all over someone and I knew he would be able to handle anything I dished out where other people in my life wouldn't be so receptive to that experience. And then there were times when I felt hurt and angry and overwhelmed and I didn't even know what I wanted when I picked up the phone, so I just decided not to. Only a few times in my life did he actually call me. But the times that he did, one of the most important things he would ever say to me, I don't know if he knew what it meant to me when he said this, but he would say, I miss your face. I never felt beautiful as a young girl. I saw the other girls in my classes and congregations. They had gorgeous faces and fabulous bodies and great clothes. Even their hair and jewelry were better than mine. I knew that meant they were just better than me, right? And comparing myself to other females frequently hurt my self-esteem because obviously if they looked better, they were just better than me. Then looking in the mirror when I already felt bad just made everything worse. But when my papa said those four words to me, I miss your face, I felt like that was his way of saying two very different things. First of all, who you are is beautiful and I would love to be with you right now. And then the second thing it also meant was your precious internal beauty shows when you're happy. I would love for you to be happy in front of me right now so I could see your happiness. When I look at your face, I would enjoy it very much. So those four words meant that he truly loved me and he genuinely wanted me and he really enjoyed my soul. So those four words were put in a place in my heart that was very special and it was very private. Now, when my husband tells me that he loves my face, it means to me that he actually thinks I'm a wonderful woman and that he enjoys my soul. Yes, he loves me. I know he loves me, blah, 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 blah. But those four words are about more than just love. I know a lot of people love me in my life, but they don't all like me, right? I mean, let's be honest. You can love someone very much and not like them a whole lot. But when I hear those words from my husband, they never get old. And as a sensory perceiver, he truly does enjoy my physical beauty. Some personalities just enjoy physical beauty more than others. And yes, I know that many of the men that I know and I'm frequently around, they do enjoy my physical beauty because I have nice features and nice structure. I, I recently got a very nice compliment from a man that I enjoy very much <laughs> about my face. Um, they look at me frequently and they compliment me very generously. And that's always nice too. But those special words are meaningful to me because as a young girl, they healed my entire being, including my heart and mind in times of pain. I love your face to me now as an adult means I see your heart 
and your mind and who you are, and it generously, genuinely makes my life better. Do you know what your words do to people? Do you know how they make people feel? Do the people in your life know how you feel? Would you be willing to tell them? Are you comfortable hearing them? Let's think about the synergy that you create with your words. Do you want to use those powerful instruments that you have at your constant access and disposal to make the world a better place? When someone walks away from having spoken to you, how do they feel? And it's not just the words you say, because you know when you're texting someone, you don't have the intonation and inflection and sense stress and modulation and the facial expressions and the gestures. So when you're actually with someone, do you see that as a beautiful opportunity to change the synergy between you and that person and to make them a better soul? Well, now let's get to another question. Are you even worth my time? Do you know that that question Inside of yourself, when you ask yourself that question, is this person worth my time? That's opening a huge door to, to give you the opportunity to have a very strong feeling or a very, very destructively bad, a good or a bad feeling. When you ask your question, are you worth my time? I'm actually kind of sad at what happened recently on LinkedIn. Before I might have been amused, maybe even entertained, but it's actually starting to get pretty bad. People's greed is just turning them stupid. And as an INTP, that kind of stupidity, even if it's only in a social way, really does break my heart. I had to not only block this individual, but had to completely um, remove them from my database. And I had to, even on the phone, not just on the website, I had to block them. You know what? I was invited to, to connect with a man who supposedly helps coaches like me get more clients and get more money. Okay. I was very interested in what he was offering. So sure, I wanted to talk. Let's go ahead and connect. Now, keep in mind, I'm a salesman at heart, so I'm not generally interested in talking to other salesmen. But right now, my company is evolving and growing into something bigger, and my practice is expanding into something different and something much better. So I'm willing to put out some feelers for marketing where I might not have been before. Part of his process of procuring clients like me is a sales pitch, of course, but it's also a few personal messages and an invitation to participate in a discussion group. Well, that's kind of smart. I like that. So I'm willing to invest the time. Over four days, I'd been going back to talk to him, responding to his private messages, and, you know, it became interesting. I, I said, I, okay, you know, I want, I want to talk, not type. I actually want to talk, a phone call with my voice. I don't want to spend time texting or, or doing emails. He actually spent 45 minutes messaging me back and forth that he doesn't want to waste his time talking to people who aren't worth it. Wait, I'm sorry, wait a minute. Okay. I have to prove to him that I'm not going to be a bad investment for him before he can justify giving me human direct personal interaction. Okay, so maybe I shouldn't hold that against him. I've, I've wasted a lot of time on some pretty trashy people. I can admit that I've made mistakes, but here's what makes me sad. He's willing to argue with me in messages for 45 minutes about why he doesn't want to waste time talking to me in a five-minute phone call because somehow the exact same words that would only have taken five minutes to speak with his voice are less valuable when they're expressed with his technical device. It, it's okay to 
text back and forth for 45 minutes because that way he's not really wasting time. What? <laughs> it's some kind of concession, almost a surrender to give me his personal time verbally on the telephone that I have to deserve before he can justify giving it to me. Well, you know what, sweetheart? You're just, you're giving me your time right now. You've just given me <laughs> that time. You're just giving it in a really defective way. Telling me you won't be forced into giving me your time, which by the way, I am worth it, okay? If you don't wanna give me the chance to show you that I'm worth it by personally interacting with me, that's fine. But on some level, you already do think I'm worth it or you wouldn't be arguing with me here in this stupid message banter, okay? so. How often do you, personally ask yourself, how often do you text when you could talk? How often do you email when you could visit, actually be with someone? Okay, now the coronavirus is making that kind of tough, but it's not impossible. When you can have a phone call, you can have a Zoom meeting, you can have you know, a Skype face-to-face my most my most important friend right now, my most intimate friend, lives over in England. And there are times when I say to him, you know what, I'm, I'm going nuts with my father-in-law. He's calling my husband and I really want to call him obscene names and I just want to hurt him physically, but I'm cooking so I can't. He's like, okay, you know what, we'll call. I'll call. And we do a phone <laughs> message. No, we actually do a, a visual video call because he knows that when I look at him and when I talk to him for five minutes, my entire soul has improved. I can go back into my kitchen and finish cooking my meal. How willing are you to give people your personal time and personal interaction if you knew that it would make the quality of their soul better because the synergy that you create is symbiotic and it's generous in both ways, you're making the world a better place. Do you believe that? Now, you know what? For introverts, it's not their primary functionality. So it can be challenging to master social interaction that's involved in giving to others. I'm a, an introvert. I don't want to interact with people, especially if I don't like them. But if I understand that by having very brief, positive interaction with people, I am not only going to make myself better, but I'm going to make them better, then it's going to be worth it. And if it is high quality interaction, it doesn't have to be half an hour long. It can be a five minute conversation instead of 35, 45 minutes text messaging. Okay, so when we're talking about giving to others, again, how much do you give to others understanding that it will be good in the end for yourself? Now, for extroverts, it's their primary functionality. They actually do need personal interaction and it's challenging them for them to stay balanced and not be overly needy. My husband is really extroverted and so sometimes after 45 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours with someone, they're exhausted and he's, still, he's ready to keep going for another two hours. <laughs> Giving to other people actually may mean stop, <laughs> stop talking, <laughs> give them a break. That's a very generous thing to give that is personal space okay now again high quality it really means you don't have to have a large quantity because the law of perpetual motion means that when you have a good interaction with someone when you have a very positive impact on someone else it's going to pay it forward 
pay it forward, it will affect how that person feels when they go to get their coffee in the drive-thru. They're going to make a joke with the barista at the window where they might not have before. When the barista laughs out loud at the joke, that's going to have a really good effect on the girl who's scared that she just found out that she's pregnant. That laughter is going to make her giggle. When the baby inside of her feels that positive energy, it's going to make their health actually better because the energy that we have, the physical container that a body is, has a powerful ability to do a lot of things that we'll never know about, thank goodness, because <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of big stuff. When we're talking about high quality behavior, that could even come to things like being professional. You know what? I, I think that what used to be a standard for professional behavior just isn't there anymore. How about not using swear words? How about not interrupting? Just being considerate about how other people feel and how you make them feel. Caring, caring, letting them know that you care. So even if you do mess up, maybe inadvertently, accidentally, if you genuinely care about how they feel, you will have a standard of behavior and you'll be more likely to observe how you have made them feel because you'll see in their face and their body language. The key, again, is how to stay balanced. If you are giving to other people as a way of actually taking care of yourself because it maintains your quality as a soul in a much higher place, right? More joy in giving than there is in receiving. It actually is making you a better person. You will know how to keep things in moderation. Now, how about doing things for yourself, taking care of yourself as a gift to others? Okay, now, a lot of introverts don't have a hard time with that at all. I'm going to go ahead and take care of myself before I take care of you. Well, you know what? Sometimes intuitive feelers, more than other types, have a hard time with this because they do care so much about other people. And in fact, if they think that taking care of themselves would hurt another person or upset another person, they would never be able to enjoy it. They would never be able to successfully, proactively, healthfully say to another person, you know what, I understand that this is going to be hard for you, but I know that when I'm done, I'm going to be exponentially better in spirit, in energy, my thoughts and my feelings. If I was, uh, you know, very good before, I'm going to be excellent now. If I was mm, mediocre before, I'm going to be good now. That really conceptually isn't hard for them to understand. It's just tough to carry out. Now, one of the things that I like to use as an example is the food industry. High quality. When we're talking about people, what, what is high quality? Well, you know what? That's subjective and that's an entire debate right there. But when we're talking about things like food and the food industry, how it's changed over the years, what has happened is they want to um, increase the size of the product, specifically like drinks, okay, or, or the hamburgers, um, fries, whatever it is that the size portions are larger and larger and larger because they want to be able to charge more money. Well, 
Well, then inevitably what happens is the actual quality of the product that they use, that could be the soda, that could be the meat, that could be the potatoes, it actually goes down. Okay, so when we have, even in the stores, instead of the, the cans being eight ounces, they went up to 12 ounces. And now instead of just the cans or the bottles, the two liter bottles, we have three different sizes of bottles of soda. How do they price it? How do they, it's, it's ridiculous. And when I, when I come home and I say to my husband, look, I bought this, I, I could only have a third of it, maybe a half of it. Do you want the other half? He flips out because it's like, I can't believe you wasted all that money. I said, no, sweetie. In fact, I saved money by being wasteful. Okay, that as an NT makes me crazy. But when we're talking about increasing the quantity and by default reducing the quality, that hurts and does damage to everybody. So think about yourself back in the context of how high quality are you? If you spend time with someone in the state of very high quality, the interaction that you have the symbiosis that you have is meaningful and it's valuable and it's productive and it's constructive. You don't have to have an excess of quantity. In fact, you don't have to frequently interact with that particular person unless they have a very specific need, in which case you're interacting with them when they have that need increases their quality as a soul. So think about yourself now. What would you need to do for yourself, with yourself, in order to get yourself into that high quality state? Well, my mom was a flight attendant. We've all heard the story a thousand times. I'm going to tell you one more time, putting the mask on yourself first. Well, what does that even mean? And should you really put the mask on yourself first? I ask people this question. The answer is only if you truly know how to take care of yourself. That's the bottom line. There are certain things that you may think, well, I'm going to take care of myself. They're actually not very good ways to take care of yourself because they're not healthful things to do. So taking care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, how much of it involves asking for help and what kind of help? Who should you ask? Do you know how to ask other people for help to help yourself? In the last 40 years in the United States, so much of the general focus has changed. What used to be based on quality has now just, like I said, excessive quantity. Give people more and they won't be upset about the fact that it's cheap. Well, now, now they're starting to. Okay, How much does the need or desire for a large quantity go down when you have high quality? How about you? When you have people in your life who give you high quality interaction how much does it mean to you how far does it go for you now one of the things that like i said intuitive feelers have a hard time taking care of themselves i've actually had to bring it down to one an entire chapter one chapter in my book called the stranded island exercise now it's a generic question sometimes asked to help people determine their true nature or their calling in life. It's designed to kind of remove anxiety for that person and provide the freedom to think and feel everything that may naturally happen inside of them. It is, after all, only when people are free from anxiety and fear that they can be truly honest with themselves and then with others. So it's a pretty liberating experience. 
the question that people often ask is, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? Well, that seems like a safe way to ask yourself, what would really make me happy? How would I spend my life and my time if I didn't need to worry about survival? If paying the bills and taking care of my physical needs and financial responsibilities was no longer a concern, then my anxieties and concerns around making ends meet would be gone. Well, what would I do then? Okay, the problem with this question is that it reinforces the belief that the most powerful motivation of people is their survival, meaning their fear. It implies that their material responsibilities and demands are what they fundamentally care about most in life, or that it's good to have money to buy things that you simply want, but you know what? They might actually not be very good for you. This is not helpful when someone is trying to become healthier. That question keeps people thinking on a very primal level. It does not stimulate them on a deeper and spiritual level because posing a life-defining question in a survivalist context prevents people from seeing things in an authentic way. It propels a superficial perspective because people have external influences in their lives that can be and often are superficial. Money is a superficial thing. So, for now, let's remove all external influences that affect the decisions you make. And then taking it one step further, let's say someone like a fairy godmother took you away from the physical world that you currently live in, brought you to an island, a fantasy island, and you are all alone, just the two of you. Imagine it as a beautiful place that has everything you love, including your favorite foods, great animals and land and scenery. You have everything that you want around you in paradise. The best part of this world is that you can wish for anything and your fairy godmother will literally make it suddenly happen, appearing out of nowhere and the money doesn't exist. It, it does, it's not involved in any way. You would never have to buy anything. But the miracles only happened under one condition. They required happiness juice that was created only by positive energy inside of you. You would need to pay for these things. The currency for these things that you're asking for is your own high quality emotional energy. It is a symbiotic process, again, perpetually in motion. Everything that you're feeling while you're interacting with your external world is going to create more of your external world. So we'll call it like a, a happiness juice that you could that you could physically manifest. To create the happiness juice, you would need to do things and create experiences for yourself that make you genuinely joyful. The more internal peace and joy you have, the more you're able to expand your paradise. Then the greater the paradise, the more peace and happiness you'd feel. You could go back into the outer world of life and society that you currently live in anytime you wanted to, if you ever wanted to. This other island that you create would stay there waiting patiently for you to come back if you ever felt the need to go back to, what, the regular world or the island. If that was the case, what anxiety would being in survival society ever give you? The peace of mind 
to create the best of the best means that there would be no limit or end to your personal happiness. Monetary currency was never a factor. All you had to do was be happy to refill your soul in order to create more of this world. Do you know what would make you happy? Are you aware of what actually is in your life right now preventing your happiness? And what do you need from people in order to create your energy, your positive energy, when you are with them and when you're away from them? Because again, we are symbiotic creatures. We are affected by everybody and everything around us. It's your moral responsibility to stay happy, healthy, and proactive. Well, that's about being balanced. What needs to happen for you during the day in order for you to stay balanced? Well, you know what? The discipline of staying centered. One more thing I'm going to talk about today is staying centered, not self-centered, okay? Centered. What, is it, what does it mean to actually be centered? I took my first ballet class when I was four years old. It was a lot of work, and you don't even look very good doing it at the age of four, okay? It's not impressive <laughs> doing the steps that you spend a whole lot of time practicing. Sometimes you're holding on to a bar. Sometimes you're standing in the middle of a room running around, flying around, jumping around with other little girls. You're trying to make something beautiful happen. I realized over the years that I was doing a lot of work for a long time. It added up to about five years before I even looked good. And I didn't actually truly look beautiful for almost another five years. That was suffering and personal sacrifice. Different things have to happen in order for you to be successful. You have to be strong Use muscles that you don't use in daily life. You have to be flexible, moving your body in ways that are not natural or comfortable. But then you also have to be focused, keeping your eyes and mind in very specific places to move you throughout the music. But the hardest part, you have to be centered. Now, I did think it was a bit odd that my teacher never used the word balanced. She never said, get your balance, get you know, balance your leg or balance your arm or balance your foot. No. You have to know how to stay balanced if you're going to be able to get up on your toes, aren't you? Why did she say centered instead of balanced? And why did people refer to ballet as a discipline? Was she going to hit us or something? Was she going to beat us up or, or send us to some kind of corner? Or was it gonna... No, I learned that discipline is not punishment. In fact, if you're being punished by someone, it's because they don't have discipline. Okay, so more importantly, I learned that while balance is about successfully managing the things and the world around you, being centered is about successfully managing yourself internally and the world inside of you. Whoa. Okay, let me think about that again for a minute. A girl's body constantly changes as she grows up on an almost daily basis. And anyone over the age of 21 knows that. Okay, female. Anyone female? <laughs> okay. Her thoughts and feelings and focus constantly change as she goes through childhood and puberty and young womanhood. Dancing demands that she not only be able to maintain the core of her body perfectly still in the same place while her arms and legs are constantly moving around her, she also has to constantly know where that center of her body is. Where is that core inside of her that everything else is hanging upon 
while she's moving, moving her head and her back and her hips in the opposite directions of her arms and legs, not being distracted by any of those things that she's doing with six different body parts while she's doing it. That means being aware of everything happening inside of her while she's doing all of that. Okay, she has to force herself to move in a challenging way while still being graceful and sensual and beautiful. Yeah, that's a discipline. And having true discipline means you are feminine and confident and gorgeous as a woman. But soon I learned that such a principle applies to everything in life, work, relationships, health, money, not just ballet. Are you aware aware of where you are inside of yourself while you're doing things in your life? Some people call it mindful. Others just call it conscientious. I call it disciplined. Find your personal center that you can maintain still and remain balanced around. Then keep yourself emotionally strong. Maintain your mental focus. Be socially flexible because true discipline is an absolutely beautiful thing. And that means you have taken care of yourself. Taking care of yourself means you will be high quality. And every person that you interact with will become a more powerful and more positive person just by feeding off of your positive energy. The symbiotic experience creates a synergy in your life that will manifest through the entire world simply because as a gift to others you are taking care of yourself next week we're going to talk about really how to make yourself high quality different personal challenges that you face one of them is being lonely how you can set up a personal support system then there could be negative thinking how to be effective when you use affirmations. Then maintaining focus in your life. Sometimes you have to know how to create a checklist true to your personality. Then having just low energy to give you a shot in the arm, you need to have something right there within an arm's reach, no pun intended, at your disposal to keep your energy high. And then the most important one in these negative times Managing your negative reaction emotions, not getting rid of negative emotions, just knowing how to manage them in a proactive and positive way. Again, on the website with uh, bbsradio.com slash yours, mine and ours, you can go ahead and go to the shout box, type your message, type your name, and I'll be reading over the questions and the messages. So next week when we have the show at the same time, then we can go ahead and talk about anything that we discussed in this week's topics, this week's show. But also, now that you know what's going to be about next week, if you have any questions specifically that you'd like me to address as I'm going through those five different abilities, those two different, five different ways that you can keep yourself high quality, we can go ahead and take calls or questions during the show, throughout the show, all of next week. Always remember that relationships are not just about the two people involved. It's about what they create when they're together. My name is Gabrielle Cardona. Thank you so much for listening into BBS Radio. This is yours, mine, and ours.